The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Oh, it's a Friday. We're talking ETSU men's and women's basketball recaps. We're talking previews. A lot of hoops. And then Monday, very special, very special thing going on. Yes. Uh-oh. 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 I ran into somebody in the hallway, Keith. You may be familiar with him. He wears number two. He has no, long no, no, hair. No, 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 nope. no, don't, don't let him have his moment. No, I'm just saying I ran into the let hallway. have his moment. I asked him what he was going to do, and he wouldn't tell me. And then we talked, and finally I said, why don't you come on the pod Monday, and I'll just ask you straight up, and you can tell all of Buck Nation what you're going to do. So I don't know okay. what he's doing. There you go. Before you yell at me as if I was – I don't know the answer, so I can't I thought you were going to give the whole game away. No, I don't I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. So in case you're somewhat confused and don't know what we're talking about, I ran into uh, – You just did it. What? Jay. What? 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 Okay. You just did it. Okay. Okay. God, okay. I can't – You know what? I'm just going to restart the show. The following is right a special presentation. Everyone just Buccaneers I'm doing the Network. men in black thing. We're doing it again. This yeah. is the We're doing the neuralizer. We're just two boom. broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. Two microphones. Nobody even knows Jay, we have to neuralize ridiculously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake. Here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Hey, it's a Friday. We're going to talk hey, ETSU basketball. Let's talk about basketball. That's all we're yeah. talking about. We're yeah. nothing, nothing else to see here. We're there not going to talk nothing, about anything yes, else. Nothing to see nothing here. Else. Thank you for, for participating in our drill. We hope you we're, enjoy our smaller, more energy-efficient subway cars. Yeah, we will. Um, we are going to have a show next week. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but we are going to talk basketball. How about that? How, let's talk women's because... That was a drubbing. That was a beatdown. Yeah, yes, that it was, was. I don't know what it was. I mean, it was fourteen nothing, and I thought, well, you know, sometimes you jump on an early lead, a team can kind of come back. Western got it to like seven, and then ETSU just said, no, no, this mm-hmm. don't. We're not even going to let you pretend like you have a shot in the game. After the fourteen nothing, it was like a ten one maybe run for Western to get it to fifteen ten. I think. That, yes. I think that was as close as they got. Yep. They got it to five, and that was it. And then ETSU just said, "Nope." We want our first home win. We want to win three in a row. Three straight double digits with this one being, again, just uh, a bloodbath. Uh, you know, on a basketball floor where actually no blood was spilled, by the way. Uh, I mean, it was an impressive performance. Giselle Thomas was incredible. I thought the way that the women's team shared the basketball, they're starting to understand things, and, and I'll go uh, with this, is on a break, they know where Courtney Moore is going to spot up. Yes. Right? On a 100%. break, if someone is out in front of the pack, they know who to get the ball to. They are starting to understand who is good, where, and when, and wow, and they're all starting to, to really come together, which is good to see because when Rufus Milner went down, thought, well, man, the rebounding thing, that's one of it. But also, you know, 
ETSU's ability to figure out how to make more shots over the last three games, I think, is what the, the change, the slight change in offense. Neve Brown understanding that from 16 feet and out, maybe not so good, but it's amazing. 15 and in. And yes, I understand that's a one foot different, Keith, but 15 and in, pretty good shooter. 16, an okay, and can hit sometimes. She hit two out of three threes. I mean, she's three for her last 24 out there, but when she gets to the free throw line, very good shooter. Thomas knows how to get to the rim. Foley got a late start, and she had a couple, uh, lack of a better term, pick sixes uh, against Western Carolina <laughs> in the third quarter, able uh, to get scores. And I, I thought this was a dominating performance. I love, I love to watch Journey McDaniel go get rebounds. Oh, it's so fun. It is she's unbelievable so athletic. to go it's just, watch. It's great. She's she's going to be a really special player. I, I know, you know, ever since she came back from illness, like late December, right before Christmas, um, she hasn't quite been the player that she was before uh that happened but um just a player who has an enormous well of potential within her it's gonna be really fun to watch her grow over the next three and a half years and as I watch this team in general I think they've grown a lot the the offensive um uh, offensive aptitude of this team has taken a major step forward. I feel like this group is less reliant on interior scoring, but they can still get it because they no longer have the offensive rebounding juggernaut of Jayla Rufus-Milner to go get them the basketball. They have been able to get offensive boards. They were able to get offensive boards in significant numbers. Last night, Kendall Foley had three. Ja'Kaya Davis had three. All five of Journey McDaniel's rebounds were offensive boards. So they have been able to get them. They got 21 last night. That was their most against the D1 opponent since they beat Vanderbilt. So uh, they've been able to do some things that... Um, maintain that identity of defense and rebounding, but also they've added a different dimension to it. They have now been able to knock down three-point shots with a little more consistency. Think about this. Uh, this is the first stretch of the year where they have hit seven or more threes in three consecutive games. They hit eight against Furman. They hit nine against Wofford. They hit seven against the Catamounts. If the three-point shot is there for the Bucks, the way it has been the last few games, then ETSU is going to be just fine with J.J. not on the floor, but instead giving the halftime speeches, which I've heard more than one person, including Mock and Giselle Thomas last night, say, yeah, we're coming out of the third quarter Coming out of the half, you know, like we're, we're it's like a bat out of hell out of there. Like it's just they're just phenomenal in the third quarter, and they say it's because of JJ. Jayla Rufus Milner lights a fire under this team, gets them motivated, and that's why Foley's jumping in the passing lanes, gets the runouts, the easy layups. Giselle Thomas got a steal, and you know, like you were talking about with Courtney Moore, just spotting up in the corner. Giselle goes like right wing toward the baseline inside the arc, turns, nobody's guarding Courtney. And she just dumps it in her stomach and is like, hey, like just drops the ball right right into her, her hip pocket. Says, hey, take this and hit a three for me, would you? And she did it. And Western Carolina had to call a timeout. Um, if the Bucks can get those three-point looks and it's the extra pass, it's knowing where your your um, your catcher, your catch and shoot players are. Uh, it's those sorts of things that have helped this team get a lot better looks 
from the perimeter than they were getting early in the year. They have multi-dimensional offense that keeps defenses honest, and that's going to pave the way for Giselle Thomas and DeVay Brown to get to the rim the way that they could at times last night and impose their will on a basketball game. It's been a little bit of a three-point shot by committee, right? A few games ago, Sarah Thompson had the four threes. Yes. Uh, last night, again, Neve Brown has, has been struggling. I think she was one of 20 uh, going into the game in her last, I don't know, nine, ten outings and was able to get two or three down. Courtney mm-hmm. hits three. So, Courtney Moore, you look at her, I think she went seven games, eight games without double figures, now gone back-to-back games uh, in double yes. figures. and has now made a three and 11 straight. She's made multiple threes in eight of her last 11 um, and ETSU is 9-2 and two when she makes multiple threes in a game. And she's starting to look a, a little healthier, a little more confident. I think uh, Bruce said it at Trambarger on the ESPN3 broadcast uh, when, when I made a comment about, hey, she's starting to shoot the ball a little more. He goes, well, you know, when you have a lower leg injury and all that, people don't understand how that affects shooters. And the fact that she's running a little better, she's been able to extend the minutes more, you know, he's just speculating. I'm not talking to Courtney. Maybe try to catch up with her before the game Saturday and just ask her, like, hey, on, on the health meter, where, where do you think you are compared to earlier in the year just because there seems to be – and, you know, you had the scare, right? Which you right. Had the, the we, we were worried Sanford. she was going right. to miss more time than she did. She didn't miss any. Uh, I mean, you could tell in the second half against Furman, you could tell that she hadn't practiced a lot that week. Like, it started to – she kind of huff and puff a little bit. Maybe wasn't as easy for her, but I, she was very fluid against – Western Carolina looked exactly like the player you come to see. And, I mean, think about this. In her first what, – what is this now for ETSU? It's a game 20 – this was game 22. So, in her first 11 games of the year, she shot 24% from three. In her last 11 games, she shot 40.3%. I mean, that whatever it is, I don't know if it's just – there's a specific role they're asking her to play now that's maybe a little bit different from what she was asked to do earlier in the year or different players are being guarded differently so you're you're getting better opportunities to get those shots up whatever it is if it's just the growth of you know Kendall Foley and Devay Brown in this offensive system whatever it is something has helped Courtney get a lot more consistent with the three-point shot. And I think it's the fact that she's just open a lot more in the corners and has been really confident pulling the trigger with the basketball. Her teammates have made it easy on her, and she has cashed in on that in a big way. And that helps ETSU out a ton because those three-point shots add up so fast. And I like the way the last few games, too, I think uh, the way – and again – I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Wofford and Western, but those are maybe the two best – offensive uh, juggernauts uh, in the league. Now, Wofford, we'll talk about them in just a second, had a huge one on the road. Mm. But ETSU connected defensively. I kind of feel like doing a good job talking, communicating, rotating. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of clean looks that, you know, Wofford really got. And there certainly weren't a lot of clean looks that, that Western got. Western tried to get it in the middle of the paint. ETSU had several players being able to pick up block shots. I just like how the team has – the last three maybe and, and you know rallied around uh, Rufus Milner being out. I, I think there's something to, hey, we need people to do different things, not you know go with do something you can't do, but here's maybe some different things we need you to do to help us win. Here's some little tweaks we're going to do offensively. Here's some tweaks we're going to do defensively. You know, Ja'Kai Davis isn't putting up monster offensive numbers by any stretch of the imagination but she had nine rebounds she had some block shots she's doing things that 
you know, they need her to do in a little bit more extended minutes than what she was seeing before the injury. Then you, from there you go, what, freshman Megan Downing, and, and mm-hmm. she's starting to get 10, 12 minutes a game, starting yep. to do some good things. You know, Ella Boyle came in late last night, picked up six points, offensive rebound, beautiful pick-and-roll action. Uh, missed a couple of layups. One, I thought she got mauled. <laughs> no call. But, I mean, huh. it was, the game was ugly. I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. But, you know, still I thought, you know, you look at a couple of the freshman post players continue to get better. A lot of the team is going to be back. Rufus Milner, I believe, has another year if she wants it. Is yes. that correct? And and they are – Mock has said multiple times planning on having Jayla Rufus Milner back for another season. You know, you're talking about losing Giselle Thomas, which would be a big loss, mm-hmm. but there's a, a lot of key pieces, uh, and we already knew this was going to be a fairly young basketball team and a lot of key pieces coming back. If they add one or two, you know, players here and there, I mean, this is a team that's still got a chance to contend right now, which we're going to go over the standings in just a second. Still got to contend this season and got a shot to go, but talk about next season. I don't even want to get there because I'm having fun on this ride, and seeing the fan base come out, seeing all the, the tweets and support, and really happy that Rufus Milner, who has an unbelievable outlook on life to begin with, to just kind of go into the motivational speaker role, I guess. And if you didn't get a chance to hear her when she was on the coaches show, maybe, maybe that's another one you get on the pod mm. because she is unbelievable to talk to, um, her outlook. I think anytime. I always like to talk to the kids that really have stepped outside of comfort zone. And for her, not just coming from California, but has an identical twin sister she's never been more than two weeks away from mm-hmm. and in 22, 21 years of her life, I, I think that, that's a big deal. I, I don't think that's yeah. something um, – and, and maybe I'm a little biased in that for the simple reason. I have twins, and, and they're not identical, and I know how they act. So to have you know an identical – twin and do that be away from your family kind of step out there and then culture shock let's be honest i mean you know she she's sitting on a beach you know yeah malibu right you know where pepperdine's at so you're sitting yeah. on malibu beach she's from los angeles i mean you can't you know i would love to believe that uh, john city's los angeles of tennessee but it's not right so no that's Na- that's definitely nashville I, I don't even know if john would john city only be the la of some small island uh, in comparison. I have no idea. What oh, you would, man. I don't uh, even want well, to think that, of it. John, Johnson City is like thing. the – Oof. Oof. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to get into that To one. the North Pole? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it would yeah. be. So, that being said, there's just a lot of uh, things that, that I think she has perspective on. So, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if you heard the coach show, I, it was great. There were fans that were down there were like, man, I mean, I liked her before, but holy cow, what, what an unbelievable human. So, I, I think maybe – uh, we, we could catch up with her a little bit later. But i really mm-hmm. excited for what they've been able to do. they got a challenge coming up against UNCG. I'm going to kind of just jump in the results. We'll go over the standings because yeah. that was the shocker. Well, two shockers. UNCG losing to Chat wasn't a shocker. But Chat, 21-point victory, I believe, is a shocker. That, I thought, to, to win a game that decisively is impressive. I can't figure UNCG out. And we'll get a good look at them on Saturday, our first real look at them on Saturday. Um, that's a team that I have not been able to figure out this year. It seems like they have decent players, and they just sometimes they'll come out and play great, and sometimes they will just lay an egg. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say the other two teams I can't figure out. I think there's three teams. I don't – no finger on the pulse. I got zero idea. One, you mentioned UNCG, and I'm glad you did because I was going to lead into the other two teams. Wofford goes on the road and beats Mercer 76-71. 
I have no idea what you're going to get out of Wofford each night. I have absolutely no idea what you're going to get out of Mercer. I know what you're going to get out of Mercer if Amori and Neil Tyser doesn't play. That's, that's what happens. And that's that, fair. that is what has happened. They still happened got 71 on the board. To the Bears. Uh, Angelina Gonzalez is going to be a phenomenal player for them. Uh, she's oh a goodness. true freshman, um, but has been really, really good. So but this team is now, you know, they're in a situation. They, they were able to beat Sanford at home, right? But without Neil Tyser to hit big shots, if Wofford gets some threes to fall, and they were three of 20 from three against Western Carolina, that's part of why they lost. And the Catamounts humiliated them on the glass to boot. Um, but if some shots start falling for Wofford, they're a tough team to beat. And if Mercer doesn't have a player that just is, is a natural shot maker, I know that sounds reductive, but people who watch basketball regularly know what I'm talking about. When I say somebody that you can just go and put out there and reliably can get good looks, can create their own shot. Uh, Neil Tyser is great from the wing. She's great from the elbow. She gets to the rim. She's a true three-level scorer. And without her out there to hit some big shots in big moments, yeah, you're, you're going to struggle with Wofford. And I don't know how long Amoria is out, but the longer she is out, the more beatable Mercer is. And I think when ETSU goes to Macon in... What is in 15 days? If Neil Tyser's not back in the lineup, I don't know her status. I, I didn't see the injury. I haven't got she got injured, I believe, against Chattanooga. I have to go back and watch it. Uh, but if she's still out when the Bucks come to town, the Bucks have a real opportunity in Macon, and I think they have everything they need right now to take it. This is a team in ETSU that's going to peak in February. And, and hit their stride in February and carry that into March. And look at, I'm ruling nothing out at this point. Andrea Bailey is a juggernaut for Sanford, but I am not going to rule out ETSU as a contender for the Southern Conference Tournament Championship because it does feel like anybody except maybe Western Carolina or UNCG can get hot over three games and win this thing. Well, Sanford's 5-1, and one, and... They're going to play – who they got? They got da, – da, 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 is it Furman? They got Furman, right? Hey, Wofford – Wofford, I'm sorry, Wofford. Well, they play Sa- – yeah, they yeah, – they, uh, they beat Furman, you're right, and they play Wofford. Yeah, Sanford, so, Sanford plays Wofford. Yeah. So this is an opportunity because Wofford's a game behind. If Wofford can hit enough shots and give them a second loss, then truly everything's out in the open. If Sanford were to win that, and depending on what Chattanooga does, if Chattanooga were to get – upended another play western we know it's not going to happen yeah but you're talking about if something crazy happens all of a sudden sanford's got two game lead with again starting the second half of the schedule and and again you never know with chattanooga like i said earlier in the week what happens if something happens to wazira dean or olaf's daughter like they don't have anybody on the bench to replace the guard production that they could potentially lose even if it's just foul trouble if Yaz picks up two personal fouls in the first quarter and has to sit, or you roll the dice in the second quarter and she picks up a third and she still has to sit, like you are in a really bad spot all of a sudden because you have no depth. Chattanooga has no depth whatsoever. If a starter goes out for an extended period of time, even for like 15 fewer minutes a game, chat's in trouble. And I... Absolutely. I mean, every team in this league has its share of flaws, right? Wofford is an extremely talented team 
that I, I just think their scheme is a mess. Like offensively, defensively, they don't seem organized at all. They just chuck up threes and sometimes they go in. Um, UNCG is wildly inconsistent, right? Samford, uh, I think their post players can be frustrated. Their interior game can be frustrated and that can create uh, a situation where they maybe have to come back on somebody. Mercer doesn't have a, a battle-tested shot maker if Neil Tyser is out for an extended period of time. Furman has a really special player in Sidney James and not a whole lot else. Western Carolina is just, well, I mean, pick your poison. ETSU, I think, can get into some situations where the decision-making of the attackers, and Mock talked about this in post-game last night, the, the, the two players that attack the rim the most, Giselle Thomas and Neve Brown, sometimes can think themselves out of good looks. And... They overthink it, they try to force it, and ETSU goes on a protracted dry spell, and suddenly a team's able to go on a run against him. It's an 8 nothing run, it's a 10 nothing run, and that can really hurt when you're a team that lives in the low 60s typically uh, on a given night. They didn't last night, they were in the 70s, but uh, a team that lives in the low 60s can be hurt by those, those protracted droughts. So a, a lot of these teams have flaws. A lot of these teams have weaknesses that can be exploited I, to be honest with you, Jay, and I, I, I love what Mock has done. I love these kids. I'm super proud of them. I don't trust anybody 100% to sit here and say with confidence, this is a prohibitive favorite to do any specific thing in the SOCON tournament at the end of the year. Don't look now, though. ETSU longest win streak in the Southern Conference, three games in a row. They're three and three. Yes. Obviously got the home game against UNCG, and then we'll know what ETSU's made of because then they're going to – re-roll the second part of the schedule which mm -hmm. it'll be instead of three straight home games they dropped they'll all three be on the road at chat at mercer at sanford and we'll talk about that next week of course it'll be one o'clock tip time in freedom hall first part of our double header 12 30 keith will have the pregame show on the buccaneer sports network it is a white out for the student section i don't know if it's white out for everybody or not uh teams are gonna wear white because you know they're at home but that's <laughs> a look at southern conference women's basketball <laughs> By the way, bring your AM tuner, your radio, with you to Freedom Hall on Saturday. Do what uh, Phil Stork does. Listen to the games on the radio during the game. But do it with AM because if you do it on the web stream, there's a delay. So we're talking about stuff that happened 20 seconds ago. Just get get the get the most live experience that you can. Get uh, get yourself a true a real honest to goodness AM radio. And uh, make, the, make the magic happen that way. But listen to us during the game. You never know what you'll miss. Full of information, aren't we? Chocked full. I mean, I try to be. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think you try. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 make, I make a concerted effort. <laughs> and we also, we've, we've started doing the word of the day on our broadcast. Do you have a word of the day on your broadcast, Jay? Uh, depends on who is listening. Um I have, especially during football season, there is one particular fan that mm -hmm. sends me a word of the day. Uh, Will Jim has like three words of the day. He's got three people <laughs> that send him stuff, which is, mm -hmm. which he tries to work in, and then I try to look at him and point to be like, was that one of your words? And then yeah. that's kind of a fun game we do too because he tries yeah. to sneak him in without me noticing that it was the word of the day. 
Yes. Because uh, we call him the professor because he uses big words anyways. Yeah. La- last night's word was uh, bum fuzzle. Okay. Bum fuzzle to... Um, so you use that with Kylie Hill because the start of the game he was bum fuzzled? <laughs> uh, bum fuzzle, it means to confuse, um, perplex, or f- uh, fluster. So I I, use, I actually used it going to break one time. I said... Uh, I'm always perplexed, by yeah. the way. O- offensively, defensively... ETSU, everything ETSU is doing is has been enough to bum fuzzle the catamounts, and it was a it was a lopsided score. Would you like a word for your game tomorrow? Would you like a word right now? I'll give you a word and you work it in, and we'll play it back in a Jay knows the English language segment on Monday. Are you playing it back if I get it right, or only if I get it wrong? I am playing it back either way. Oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. Mm-hmm. What is my word? Your word is wangle. W A N G L E. Uh, definition, or, or is that up for me to find out? <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> so no R. This is not a wrangle. This no, is a this wangle. is not wrangle. This is wangle. Okay, it is a verb. Okay, wangle means to get something by trickery or persuasion. It can also mean to adjust or manipulate for personal or fraudulent ends. Okay. I will try to work in wangle. Wangle, yes. In, in, into the broadcast. He tried to wangle his way into a foul coming down on a bad jump shot. Well, now you're just now you're just writing it for me. This, I know, this, right? This is, this is great. <laughs> uh, I really wish the Bucks yeah. could have figured out a way to hit free throws and layups, but they did not against They did not. Uh, um, Mercer, uh, by my count, and I was going to go back and rewatch the game, about the third layup, I just – thought well that's three and then in between me and Kevin Brown then we started doing the old tick marks every time mm-hmm. you know they're, they're right mm-hmm. in front of the paint but I just a couple things confuse me one I don't know how ETSU has a hard time on the fast break because if there is a two-on-one three-on-two four-on-two something of a of a to use a hockey term an odd man rush right I mean you should score that, right? I, I feel like there should be a high percentage mm-hmm. in, in Division One college basketball. You should score that. And they just don't. And I, I don't know what it is. Uh, sometimes they're, they're passing the ball to guys in bad spots, i.e., if you throw it to a post player, they throw it so far in front of them that when they catch it, they're underneath the basket instead of getting it to them near the free throw line where they've got a chance to catch and uh, gather. Um, there, there are times where I think Allen Struthers should just dunk the ball. He goes in, mm. he jumps, and then he's waiting for contact. And a few times, like, guys move away, and then there's no contact, and then you're kind of leaning that way, and then you're off balance and you miss a shot. And I know he's trying to jump, get contact, and you lean into it. So that way when you hit contact, you kind of straighten up and, you know, you control. You were able to control your body. Mm. I wish he would just go try to dunk it. I, I just, you know, and Seymour, same thing. Like, he goes up sometimes, and it's like, do I dunk it? Do I lay it up? Do I do whatever? And then the indecision, we end up missing it. And then somebody shoves you right between the numbers in the back of your jersey and pushes getting, you into the stanchions. I was getting getting into that. So for the bad mm-hmm. of that, and then there's always a couple of passes the guys make where I, I don't know what what's going on. And it was shared. Uh, Jordan King threw one up to Justice Smith that that should have been a takeaway and an easy lip going the wrong direction. Kind of went in and out of the hands of the defender. Bucks mm-hmm. get the ball. Then Struthers throws one to to King, where if he catches, he's out of bounds anyways. Uh, you know, then Jalen Haynes throws one six rows up deep. I'm, I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, key 
unforced turnovers where ETSU really had an opportunity to to make some headway. Now, some positives out of the game. One, Jalen Haynes, the last few has just really decided he's just going to be a man and nobody's going to stop him. <laughs> and the last few teams have not been able to do that. They had 27, and I, I thought was unbelievable uh, in the game. Seymour, again, continues to um, average almost a double-double in league action. So, I thought that Harrison, again, makes great plays defensively. He had a couple of big shots, including two free throws that got ETSU into overtime. The Bucks, the last 11-plus minutes in second half, 540-something chat, over six minutes to get Mercer. They've not given up a point. Mm. That's an incredible – talking about some incredible stats that defy logic, the last almost six minutes of the last two games in regulation in the second half, they've not given up a point. So defensively, I think they're doing things uh, tremendous. Braden Illick was able to do something. But mm-hmm. the play I wanted to talk about, which I think shows me how the Bucks have kind of come together, is what you alluded to when Seymour has a breakaway, two-hand shove in the middle of the back on a dangerous play. Seymour obviously uh, took offense to, and he goes – And to, rightfully so. To, to say something, but – seeing Struthers be the first man to sprint and defend his teammate. Mm-hmm. And then, again, I'm not advocating for fisticuffs or anything, but to take up for your teammate, to show like, hey, man, you did this one time, this is the second time. And like I said before, I give a guy one. I said it the first time when it happened and Josh Taylor had his wrist broken. I give a guy one. Like, mm-hmm. things happen, whatever. But that's the second one. And I thought this one was more egregious because this one was a two-hand shove in the back when a guy was going up. And the referees went to the monitor. And I think ETSU did a good job. Um, first it was uh, Coach Bukowski. Then it was Joe Hughley. But they went over the referees. And you could see them pointing to Josh Taylor. Like, hey, that guy did that to him a couple games ago. If this isn't elevated, like, you, you're going to have some problems. And, and not because – we want two free throws and a ball back specifically, but our guys are going to feel like you're not taking up for them, and he's already broke a guy's wrist. So right. Like, we, this is going to be a problem. And I feel like it should have been a flagrant to begin with, but I feel like after the guys – and all, all the officials were told separately from the coaching staff, like, this has already happened. Yes. Same guy. Need to make sure that this is taken care of. And it did its job because it was given a flagrant one. Mm-hmm. I felt like tempers went back down. You know, people yes. didn't hold. You know, there was not people going out of the way to headhunt and set illegal mm-hmm. screens, and 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 payback wasn't done because mm-hmm. it was rightfully so assessed. But again, I give a guy one, mm-hmm. but that's the second dangerous play given up. Agreed, agreed. And I, I think once it becomes a pattern like that, um, there needs to be a higher authority than just the officials in the game in that moment because there's only so much power that they have to ensure the safety of players over the long term. If I were at the SOCON, and I'm not, I would probably send Greg Gary a note. I'd say, hey, we saw this. We don't like it. We're keeping an eye on him. Um, Tell him to straighten it up. Tell him to play clean basketball. And if he can't foul guys uh, in a way that's not flagrant on a breakaway, then tell him not to do it. Because we don't want... Um, we don't want our name next to unsafe play on ESPN or just social media in general or wherever. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. The officials did the right thing by elevating that to a flagrant one because if they did not elevate it, then I think you're right. 
at some point, the players will look for hockey justice, right? They will police it themselves. And so the officials did what they could do and should do and were right to do in the moment, in the game, in that situation. Um, This is something that is now at a point where it becomes a danger to other players on other teams if it becomes habitual. And we saw him do it to one guy and torpedo his season. We saw him do it to another guy and could, if Seymour lands wrong, if he hits a shoulder on the stanchion, if he hits his head on the stanchion, a number of things could have gone wrong that could have torpedoed another guy's season. And then you're torpedoing an entire team season and there's not really recourse for that within what referees can do within the bounds of a 40-minute game inside of a basketball court. So um, I I do think the league, they don't need to make it public. You don't need to make a big spectacle of it, but just quietly say, we're paying attention to this. This is not not okay. We are keeping an eye on it. And if it happens again, we might feel the need to meet out supplemental discipline. And I know people have thought maybe ETSU has been bitten with the injury bug or whatever guys missing games for other reasons and not having a a full field they've had Mercer's had one game with the roster that they worked out with in July everybody there and they had their starting and his backup both point guards out of the contest then ETSU got some of the big guys in trouble fouling out a player and Shannon Grant and there was something called a Harrison Drake was out there at some point for seven minutes for for Mercer, and Greg Carey looked at me uh, after the game. He came by and, and we talked to him just for a few seconds. And I was like, uh, "I looked down your bench, buddy. I didn't think you have anybody left." He was like, "You know, if something went down with Drake, he goes, I, I, I don't, I don't know who's going to dribble the ball because, mm. uh, I mean, they were they were running out of bodies because not only did um, they start." with the guards that were injured, but they also lost Hurtado, who had the ankle injury, right. rolled yep. the ankle, tried to play through it, and eventually it, it just looked bad. And Shannon Grant, who had the foul trouble, hurt his knee a little bit, and then McCrary went down with a knee injury for a while. I mean, it was at some point I was like, I don't I don't know what they're going to do. And ETSU was able to take advantage of that for the most part, but then they just couldn't score in the second half. They had right. trouble putting the ball in the basket. And the most disappointing part in overtime, because I'm not going to lie to you, when ETSU – Got two free throws from Harrison. Got stopped into the game. I had wrote down just win. I just wrote a W <laughs> on my thing because I thought for sure, here we go. We got that. Right. We dodged the bullet. They're running out of bodies. And what I didn't factor in because ETSU had done a tremendous job on the glass. I didn't factor in McCreary getting two offensive rebound putbacks in overtime, and that was really the difference in the game. Yep. The two offensive rebound putbacks. ETSU, uh, who had done a phenomenal job on the glass, had dominated second-chance points, that was the difference in the game. But you can also say ETSU missed opportunities over the course of the game, not just in overtime, but over the course of the game to win that game. Um, If, you know, they hit free throws. They missed 12 free throws in regulation. If they hit half of those, they're fine. You know, they win this game. They, they probably get even more free throws to hit because they're leading and Mercer's fouling to extend time and possession. And the game plays out radically differently if instead of whatever it was, 20 of 32, they're 26 of 32 from the free throw line. Um, in the the last possession of the game or the last big offensive possession of the game for the Bucks, Jalen Haynes 
Ball on the left wing, trying to go cross court to King, and he throws it into the seats. That's just, that's one that uh, makes you shake your head because of the things that happened after. Now, things have maybe transpired differently after that if, you know, Haynes gets it to King, King hits a shot, maybe it's a right elbow jumper, maybe he spots up for three, whatever. But the game plays out very differently if ETSU executes just little things, like little moments. It's it's like a butterfly effect type situation, right? You go back in time and you step on one butterfly in one place and suddenly, you know, uh, an entire sequence of events has changed dramatically and unforeseeably. That's ETSU had chances to win that game independent of anything Mercer did and just missed them by fractions of an inch. And to see a team that's done so well on the road have one slip away from them like that, it's it, it it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for them. It's frustrating for Desmond Oliver. And so I expect this team to come out with some juice on Saturday and, and really play hard in the first 8-10 minutes against the Chattanooga team that they were able to get everything they wanted and more against on the road last weekend. Well, they're still trying to figure out life without Jake Stevens. Um, they were able to get 80 points on the board. Again, you know, offensively, they're, they're able to, to do some things still. Uh, the problem is defensively. I mean, they gave up 85 points. I mean, ETSU was able to just really do whatever they wanted to as far as uh, getting in the paint, being able to score. Um, I, it's just going to be interesting to see. Jamal Johnson, you know, he goes for 22. Don White goes 13. Coruscant comes off the bench for 14. But you flip the side of that, and Wofford had five guys in double figures. I mean, 21, um, 15, 14, 13, 10. I mean, just – and the shooting numbers, 13 to 29. Now, Wofford, obviously, very good shooting team. 13 to 29 uh, from three. They were 14 to 15 from line. That's another thing. ETSU had more had, – had just as many free throws as Mercer attempted. But the sad part is they attempted 13 more free throws. Then mm. those were missed, obviously, if my math was right. So, uh, you know, Chad will be interesting because they really seem to – want to funnel everybody to Jake Stevens, and it was almost like they didn't understand he wasn't there the first go-around. So I'll be curious to see how does Chattanooga defend ETSU because ETSU was able to dominate in the paint and get to the rim, and it's only one week later. So there's a little bit of positive negative. One is, hey, you're still going to play Chattanooga before they kind of figure out life without Jake Stevens fully. And the same token, if you're Chattanooga – you just saw it a week ago. You know what you couldn't stop. Are they able to figure that out inside the dome? Or in the dome. And I <laughs> hey, we're not playing in the dome anymore, Keith. Uh, I don't know if you got that memo. Freedom Hall. Yes. I'm in the it, dome. It, we are in the dome. Yeah. Um, this game could probably get 10,000 in the dome. I mean, that's just, you know, I think there's always excitement when Chattanooga comes in. I'm expecting a great crowd. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And I think you're right. Does Chattanooga have anybody who can defend the interior? against Jalen Haynes, against Jordan King going to the rack, against Jaden Seymour? Do you have anybody that can defend the post? Or how do you defend the post? Do you go... How, how much zone do you want to try to play against a team that maybe hasn't been the best three-point shooting team 
In fact, we know they haven't, but I think they're actually the worst three-point shooting team in the SoCon right now. Uh, but do you want to roll the dice on giving Jordan King open threes and saying, all right, beat us, because we're not going to let Haynes beat us. Hey, Justice Smith, you beat us because we're not going to let Haynes beat us because we know that he will kick our butts. How do you, you have to pick and choose and you have to adjust when you don't have probably the best player in the SoCon on the floor for you and you can't just funnel guys to the interior and then how quickly can you get players to buy into a very different defensive system than what you've asked them to play over the first 20 games of the year? That's the challenge that Chattanooga faces. And I think the fact that they are in that spot, they are in that position of adversity, that helps ETSU coming home trying to get their first home conference win of the season. I think this is a big game for ETSU because the standings on the men's side, and you know, it's always we've always laughed about it. There always seems to be a big three on the men's side, and and it rotates. You know, for a while there, it was Chattanooga, ETSU, UNCG. Then it kind of rotated to ETSU, UNCG, Wofford. Then Furman worked its way in there, and it was ETSU, Furman, UNCG. Last year, ETSU. The last couple of years, actually, Tissue's kind of fallen off. Then all of a sudden, you know, Sanford got in the mix last year with Furman, uh, you know, in Chattanooga, who I can't believe it slipped my mind. But obviously Chattanooga won, won the tournament. So, you know, there's always been kind of a big three. It's hard to get that fourth team for whatever reason. It seems to be a big three. And right now it's head and shoulders. It's not even close. I mean, Sanford at 8-1, UNCG 8-1, Furman 7-2. Of course, Furman with the big overtime win, and they're going to play UNCG. So Furman can make a statement. And like I said, you know, a couple days ago, I was like, hey, Furman's starting to look the part now. And they were able to do so at home in an outstanding contest. And they're very tough in Timmins Arena. And they'll play Sunday, so that'll be a standalone game. Uh, Furman and UNCG, so, that, you know, again, it's, I don't want to say must win, but if UNCG able to knock off Furman, you know, then Furman drops to three losses, you know, and depending on what, uh, Sanford is going to do um, at Wofford, which, again, Wofford a big game. I, you know, it'll be interesting. But the top three of the top three. Mm-hmm. That's really not what I want to talk about a whole lot right there. Then you've got four through nine are separated from one one game and all below 500. So it's three and everybody else. All at four and five, ETSU, Citadel, Wofford, Western. Then you've got Chat Mercer at three and six. Chattanooga needs to sort of right the ship because Jake Stevens isn't going to come back anytime soon. I actually listened to his podcast to hear him talk about his injury. Mm. Uh, and so he he didn't give a timeline, but I assure you it's not going to be soon. <laughs> Just by the way <laughs> that he talked and, and yeah. his routine and what he's doing. And if he can't play again, I, he was having an unbelievable special year. He, I believe it's just him. And Steph Curry, the only two Southern Conference players to win 10 Player of the Week awards mm. uh, as far as men's basketball. So, you know, elite company on, on how good he has been. And in VMI's 10 and not getting out of 10. I mean, they they still have a shot to knock off somebody, and I still think they'll get a win, but they're going to be 10. So, one through three is going to battle it out. 10 is going to battle it out. Who in the world is going to stay out of that seven, eight, nine slot to have to play Friday? And a lot of these games are about to uh, to determine it because obviously 
Wofford, you know, they got a tough draw because they got Sanford. Wofford's able to win at home. What happens in Citadel Mercer, which, again, Citadel's won two of the last round the road. I think Trambarger actually called that. I he thought did. he was crazy. He did, and I was like, okay, bud, and he said, hey, nailed it. Well t- well done, Bruce. Uh, you know, Western's going to go to VM. I mean, is this the game Western lo- – that's who I don't get. Western can look – and, again, it still comes down to the made threes, but Western looks sometimes really good and sometimes – they are tough, tough to figure out and watch, and for the Citadel – they've had their number. I mean, they, they swept the season series, so they've already got the tiebreaker uh, if it comes down, you know, to any type of situation between the Citadel and Western Carolina. But the Catamounts go on the road. That's a, that's a big win because, again, VMI had won. So, so you got to expect Western's going to go in there and get a win. Mercer's going to go in shorthanded against the Citadel. It's at Citadel. Citadel's pretty good at their place. You know, does that knock Mercer one more peg down? Of course, ETSU has lost the season series to Mercer already. Mm-hmm. In, you know, ETSU Chattanooga, can Chattanooga stop the skid? Can ETSU get back to 500 and win their first home game of the season like the women did last night? And UNCG Furman, I mean, this is a, this is a, you're starting to get, and I know it gets that way with this time of year and almost halfway through the season. Uh, and I guess right now, if you look at the records, right, they are the, the complete halfway point. Now, everybody's not played yeah. everybody, so it's not like the women. Everyone will play everyone at the midway point for the women. For the men, it's not. ETSU is going to finish – already finished season series with Mercer. They'll finish season series with Chattanooga. They're going to finish the season series with Sanford before they play they UNCG. Start UNCG. Yeah. So – and there are other teams like that. But right at the midway mm-hmm. point, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot to go. So the second half of this season, I, I think we're going to be waiting um, until – that last Saturday mm-hmm. to be sitting down and working out all the tiebreakers before to figure out who's going to be where. But other than the first three teams are really good and VMI is not good at all, then other than that, I, who which couple teams are going to get hot to maybe get the 4-5 and which one survives the tiebreaker between the 6-7-8 or something, I think is how it's going to play out. I completely agree with everything you just said. All right, so the men's <laughs> game against Chattanooga, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock tip time, 3.30 pregame show. Of course, we'll be rolling. Actually, my, I don't know what it'll be, 3.25, 3.30, something like that. We'll be rolling in between uh, shows between Keith transitioning from the women's game and me sitting down in that seat for the men's game. But we'll It's have a marathon. It's a marathon, not a sprint. 12.30 to like 6.30. It's all the uh, Keith and Jay you can handle. Yeah, right on. So. All right. Good for me. We'll come back. Uh, Monday with yeah. a big show. Well, where's the big show? We'll talk hoops. We'll talk a little bit of football with some exciting news and an exciting guest. And I know you're going to love it. Um, so are you teasing Paul White's going to talk about the Royal Rumble recap? Or no? <laughs> no? No? Okay. Actually, is Royal Rumble this weekend? It is. The okay. only reason I know that is because it's, it's the only show my son likes to watch. He loves the Rumble. Oh, man. He likes Battle Royals and Rumbles. Other than that, he could care less. No, I, I believe it. I believe it. Fair enough. All right, doubleheader Freedom Hall. 1230 tomorrow. Get it started. We'll In be, bulk, we'll as be, Rich Eisen likes to say. We'll be back Monday. Or I'll be back Monday. You back Monday? I'm back Monday. All right, Janky, back with another show. Back to the network. We're back on Monday. Oh, you got to be kidding me.